So now we're going to receive the offering. I've got cloths that they're going to be passing. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, dear. Uh, I can tell you, Rick and Cindy have been a blessing to our lives <clears throat> for 38 years. And um, uh, how do you beat that? That's just awesome. You know, uh, today is uh, Memorial Day weekend. And uh, you're just thinking about it this morning. Um, <clears throat> Memorial Day is a celebration and remembrance of those that uh, paid the ultimate price, the, their lives, given their life for the freedoms that we enjoy. And if you tie that together with uh, what Rick and Cindy just uh, spoke, 38 years, the reason we have the freedom to enjoy church and, and speak openly what we believe is because of freedoms that were purchased with the blood of warriors uh, from the United States. And, um, uh, you know, I know that there's many of you that have lost loved ones, or at least some of you that have lost loved ones in wars that have taken place in my family. My mother's brother uh, would have been my uncle. I never got a chance to meet him because he went off into World War II, lost his life in Germany, um, trying to uh, enter, a, a, a secure a, a barn that was in the middle of a war, blew up and lost his life. And I know how it affected my mom. I know how it affected our family. And, um, and so I know many of you have uh, suffered that as well. I don't know about you, but I hate war of any kind, and I want peace. I want peace. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, we stop to honor all of those, Lord, that have laid down their lives. Thank you, Father, that, that we enjoy the freedoms that we enjoy today here in the United States of America. We're grateful to you, Father, for uh, men that were not afraid to stand up and fight for what was true and right. Uh, Father, we do pray for peace, Lord, over Ukraine and, and, and Russia Lord, these are just men, Father, and women that have gone off to battle. And Father, we pray, Father, for their safety and protection. Lord, bring peace to our world, we pray, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen and amen. Why don't you give God praise? Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> well, it's good to be in the house of the Lord I'm, I, I, on, a, on a Memorial Day weekend, and and uh, I want to begin a new series today. We've, our church is starting a new series. And the series title is, as it's behind me right here, is I Need Dough. Yeah, Isn't that the truth? How many of you can say it with us today? I need dough. Yeah, for sure. And this, you know, I, I want to begin this series, if I could, with a particularly shocking scripture that I think we sometimes kind of overlook, but we should really give some consideration. That was in Luke chapter 16 where Jesus was talking with his, conversing with his disciples and he makes this uh, statement. He says, unbelievers are more adept at handling their finances than actual believers. And when you stop and think about that, uh, what, a, what a statement that is. It's a sad statement. And there's, but just think of the ramifications that are a part of that, that Christian people, followers of Jesus Christ, are less wise with their resources than those that are in the world. I think it's especially true in, in light of 
the rather worldly adaptation to the golden rule, the biblical golden rule, where people have kind of changed it around to say, he who has the gold makes the rules. And I know that's not, not scriptural, but yet in a way it is because the Bible says in Proverbs 19 and 4, wealth makes many friends but poverty drives them all away. And again, in Proverbs 14, it says the poor are despised even by their neighbors while the rich have many friends. And of course, we know there's the, the, the quotation mark above the friends, but what it's basically telling us today is it's better to have the wealth than not. Amen. And so this is something that we at Elevate Ministries would like to address and correct because it's so vital to each of us because God promised us that we are to be the head and not the tail. Can I get an amen? That's a promise from God. But like every promise that God has given us, we have a part to play in that. And how we respond to the word of God um, uh, is going to determine whether we're able to access the promise of God or whether it'll just pass us on by. And so uh, how we as Christians handle our money uh, is, is extremely important. It's something that you and I should spend a little time about. I mean, when you think about it, it, it determines how we are our ability to address the societies and the needs. If we don't have the resources to delve in and, and handle some of the problems in our society, we're unable to do that. The ability to spread the gospel message is gonna hinder, uh, 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 hinder us if we do not wise in the handling of our resources. Our ability to care for the needy and who controls the moral narrative through the election process is all are determined by who holds the gold. And so the ability to open a business and to provide jobs, much needed jobs in our community and so much more are all affected by uh, the wisdom with which we are to handle our financial affairs. And so this morning we begin the series and again it's titled, I Need Dough. Of course, they're looking at that. You see the spelling of that. It's K-N-E-A-D. And so uh, it's a series on finances, but hopefully you can see from it that it's not going to be a typical church uh, series on finances. We're not going to talk about little towels that we can pass around uh, uh, so that you get a miracle from God. <laughs> Amen. And so um, uh, you, you, you notice the spelling it, the word need is a word that talks about labor. In other words, if you were going to make bread, Carrie makes a lot of bread for our family, which we appreciate. And so when she goes to make that, she has to knead the dough. In other words, there's work involved. You've got to press into that, into that lump of dough until it's ready to put into the oven. And so um, uh, uh, when we look closely, at that title, we begin to understand once again that uh, I need dough or I need dough, depending on how you read that, uh, is going is to depend on how we view it. In order to need dough, it takes labor, it takes work. And so we think about that concept. We're obviously talking about bread this morning. 
as dough that becomes bread. And somehow along the line in our society, money became synonymous with bread. And so I began to think about that. When did that happen? When did we start talking about money as bread? And then looking it up, it started in 1930. And then you might think Great Depression, the, the, the people of that generation were coming out of the most financial difficulties that you would. And, the, the, and Google says that it, both bread and money were seen as everyday essentials in life. Without either of these, it was impossible to get by. And so we started talking about bread as an essential and money, of course, as an essential. After all, every one of us needs dough. Can I hear you say amen to that? Uh, because it's the currency. If we need something, we got to have some dough. If we want something to enjoy in life, we've got to have the money that's required. And it certainly rings true for me. After all, all of my life, I have needed dough. It all started as a little child. I, my, my most important thing was following the Cleveland Indians baseball team. And so I needed dough to buy baseball cards. I mean, that was like the most important thing. I would do anything and everything that I could to come up with a few dollars so that I could go and buy baseball cards. And of course, uh, as life went on, things began to change. I remember when I finally got to the realization I lived on a farm, I needed to get around a little bit to get where, where the crowds were, and so I needed transportation. So I needed dough in order to buy a motorcycle. It was like the most important thing in my life. I did everything I could so that I'd have enough dough to go down and buy the bike. And we, we know that I, I met Bonnie. And then I needed dough. Amen. <laughs> I mean, and of course, then along comes Adam. Now I can promise you we needed lots and lots of dough. Amen. And so uh, it, it happened the same. We wanted to buy, I needed to buy a home for our family. I needed dough. I wanted to start a business. Without dough, I couldn't start a business. Then later in life, I wanted to pioneer this church. In order to pioneer the church, once again, I needed dough. It's true, I think, that in every stage of our life, wherever you're at, we can literally say the title of this sermon, I need dough. Amen. And when you think about it and really consider it, this is not just something that's practical. It's also deeply rooted in spiritual truth because money is a limited resource. Can you say amen to that? I mean, you figure it out sooner or later in life. There's not enough money. I can't earn enough money to buy everything that I'd like to buy. It's limited. We can't do uh, anything we want. It, it, we are limited, constrained by uh, our ability to earn money. So in this series, we're going to strive to talk about how we handle our money. And we're going to strive to give you a well-rounded approach to this because the subject of money is multifaceted. It's way more than what you give. It, 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 every part of, the, uh, of our money is, uh, is handled within Scripture. It teaches us what to do. 
And you and I have to realize how we earn it, how we earn it is important, the way we use it is important, the dangers associated with money is important, debt that we can accumulate because we haven't been wise is a part of it, stewardship, and you could just go on and on and on. Every area of our life is going to be affected by it. Now, most generally, when someone stands to preach on money, they open with a statement that says the subject of money is important because it's addressed so often in the Bible. And they'll make the statement, actually, when the, 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 most, uh, the second most uh, mentioned uh, subject in the Bible is money. And while there, there is truth to that, it's also somewhat misleading because a reference to money doesn't always mean that it's the main point of what's being talked about. Think, for example, Jesus talked a lot about money. I mean, there's no debate about that. But often, it was used as an illustration to a larger truth. For example, Jesus told the, the, the parable of the woman with the, that lost the coin. And so it's a reference to money and how that she had 100 coins, she lost one coin, and she uh, went and left the, the 99 to go for the one. Obviously, if the subject matter was not money, but it was used as an illustration. And we'd ask the question, then why did money be used as an illustration so much? And the answer, of course, is it's so relatable. Everybody understands the importance, the value of money. And so it makes a great illustration. And the fact of the matter is, that scripture is gonna teach us that we should all be money wise. Yes, that's right. I'm not going on until I hear an amen. <laughs> the scripture, Bible, spiritual, talks about us being money wise. And it starts, uh, 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 let me rephrase that. Where am I at here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The reason the scripture, I, you got Lord has to help me always when I preach. Amen. Uh, I, I think it, it boils down to when you think about it that the scripture is concerned about how we view, how we think about the subject of money because it is going to affect every aspect of your life. I mean, if you're going to have a family, the financial condition of your family is going to make a major. Uh, a, a part of your life. If you need a house or housing, of course, the amount of money or dough that you have is going to determine the quality of that. Your mood, your your ability to uh, enjoy things are going to be uh, resulting around your understanding of money. Generations to come are going to be affected by the decisions we make concerning resources and money, debt or lack. All, there are so many subjects that are involved uh, uh, about money, but you and I have to understand that that's why Jesus quoted that, that, that observation of that troubling scripture when he said in Luke 16 and 8, it's true that the children of this world are more shrewd in dealing with the world around them than the children of light. And then in verse number 11, it says that if you are untrustworthy about worldly wealth, who, who will trust you the true riches of heaven? 
And then in verse 13, he says, no one can serve two masters for you'll either love the one and hate the other. You'll be devoted to one and despise the other. And then he makes that statement, you cannot serve both God and mammon. So literally in so many words, what Jesus was saying is as believers, we should learn to utilize money properly because it's a great servant, but it's an absolute horrible master. If we don't control our money, our money has got an ability to control us. Now, it's sad to me that the Word of God teaches that we are to be prosperous, and yet many believers in Christ are struggling financially. And the truth of the matter is it's all preventable. All it takes is simple obedience to the Word of God. In Joshua chapter number one and verse number eight is a scripture that's not directly dealing with money, but rather uh, an overview of our well-being. And, and there the scripture says, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate on it, think about it day and night. And the reason you're thinking about it day and night is so that you can put it into application in your life because when you do that, you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. And so literally what the Bible is saying is if we'll heed what Jesus teaches on the word of God, if we'll think about it, if we'll work it through and put it into application in our life, then we will make our way prosperous in this world. And so over the next three Sundays, we're going to seek to unlock some Bible secrets to financial success. And we're gonna supplement this on our Wednesday night services with men and women within our congregation that have discovered what God said about money, thought about it, and put it into application in their life, and as a result are prospering. And the reason that we're doing that is so that you can hear from people that you know are not sell, selling you, uh, you know, a little cloth on a piece of paper, but can actually see in their lives what application of the Word of God will do for you. Amen. So let's start here. I need dough. It's been that way your entire life. But now that you're saved, everything has become new. Is that right? We all know the scripture, it's quoted a lot. If any man be in Christ, they're a new creation. Old things always are passed away and all things become new. And so the why behind our need for dough should change. The purpose for dough, or the purpose for money should now be different. The use of it, how we take care of it, should now be different. The distribution of it should be different. It should be changed. And so I want to look to, to, to today at two areas, and those are income, how we obtain wealth. And then investing is the second subject, and that is how we preserve it for future needs. 
So let's look at this today, starting with this thought of income. And as the title implies, we need dough. We need for our dough. We go to work in order to earn dough. Need means to press into and work with your hands. Now, hard work has been an undeniable biblical principle from the very beginning of time. And as an eye-opening moment for you could be this. It actually forms the basis. Hard work forms the basis of your relationship with God. Now that might sound like an overstatement to you, but let's consider the scripture today because the Bible teaches that we are to partner together with him in creation. God provides, we build. We increase, we produce. We are to partner with God in creation. You see it in the beginning where the Bible says in the garden, God had created everything that's needed. Take a time to just read about all the natural resources that God placed there. But then he left it to man to tend and to cultivate and to increase, uh, to utilize what was prepared. God said, this is how you're going to get dignity. This you're going to partner together with me in creation. We see it in the desert where the children of Israel, God's children, were wondering and they had not enough to eat. And so God provided them manna. It was provided for them. But then God said, now it's up to you to go out there and here's how I want you to collect it. Here's how I want you to utilize it. In other words, man had to go out in the sun. Man had to harvest it with the work of his hands. God created. Then he left it up to us to partner together with him in his creation. So our work provides increase. Our work gives dignity and purpose to our life. It gives us meaning. And you feel good about yourself when you are productive. God created us to be productive. Can I hear you say amen? He even placed it in the basis of our relationship with him and enshrined it in the Ten Commandments when he said in Exodus 20 and 9, six days shall you labor and do all your work. We know he's talking about the Sabbath. That's a dam of rest, a time of being, uh, uh, meditating and being together in a relationship with God. But he says on six of those days, I want you to do all of your work. Paul in the New Testament was so convinced that this was the way of God that he wrote in 2 Thessalonians 3. He said, even when we were with you, the church in Thessalonica, we gave you this command from the pulpit those unwilling to work will not get to eat. I don't know about you, but I like to eat. If you're unwilling to work, this is in the church. This is a sermon. If you're unwilling to eat work, you won't get to eat. And he goes on to say, yet I hear that some of you are living idle lives, refusing to work, meddling in other people's business, we command such people and urge them in the name of the Lord Jesus to settle down and go to work to earn their own living. Sermon, Apostle Paul. 
Let me just tell you something. He says, settle down, go to work. He says, this is what God created you to be a part of. Now, the truth of the matter is, it's what's happened today. Our society has begun to place an overemphasis on higher education. And so we're in the graduation season once again, and graduates again feel a pressure. And the narrative is you've got to go to college because without a degree, you can't earn a good living. You're not going to be able to get a good paying job. Well, let me just tell you something. The truth of the matter is that a college degree does not guarantee a good job or a good income. But what it often guarantees is long-term debt that can hamstring you through much of your life. The truth of the matter is there are many different ways that you can earn a good wage without going to college. I mean, ask my grandson Jordan, if you want, who at 25 years of age is the, uh, uh, the boss at his job making a wonderful income. You can ask Benjamin today, who's working in a trade and is making a good wage, or Scotty, who came out of prison, got a job as a plumber, and now is doing extremely well in his life, or many uh, robless who's been an electrician and helped others to get into a field and are doing extremely well in that kind of work. There are lots of ways to earn a good living. Amen. I mean, you, you can go into business. That's what I did. That's the choice that I made in my life. You can find a niche and go into business and earn a living. Now, some have approached me and said, well, pastor, the reason that you've been able to be successful at life, of course, is because you went to college and that helped you in business. Let me just be straight with you this morning. My college education did absolutely nothing for me as far as a job. I mean, I, my, my degree was in economics. Let, you know what economics is? It's theory. Theory does not pay the bills. And so I went and I, I started a business and I want to tell you what I did. I rolled up my sleeves uh, and I started a business. Who was it that got up in the morning and washed down the cars that I were going to sell for the day? Well, it was me. Who was it to put out the keys uh, in the morning? Who was it that sold the cars and, and, and did the paperwork and, and paid the bills? Well, it was me because if you roll up your sleeves, you can make a good living in the United States. Amen. Now, it's important that you hear me. This is not to discourage anyone from going to college. I would never do that. But I would say this, many career paths that you choose, college is essential. Without that education to prepare you for the type of employment that you're seeking, you, you, can't, you can't achieve it without going to college. I understand that. But to go to college with no direction except to keep from having to start working is a bad plan. It will hinder you in your ability to succeed in life. And I know so many kids today that are in college and you ask them, what are you studying? And they say, well, I don't know. They're paying money for, uh, I don't know. It was Jeff Bezos that said these words, work hard, have fun, make history. And when you look at that, you understand here is a man 
who drops out of college. And the reason he did is he rolled up his sleeves. He went to work. He worked hard, had fun because in work, there is a lot of fun. I'm not saying that there's not some, uh, you know, some pain in it and some sweat in it. There is, of course, but there's something about working that's fun. And then you make your own history, not your mom and dad, your own history in your life. It's our ability, uh, it's our responsibility to teach children how to work. Let me just say like, say it like this. It starts at the home. And so you, th you think giving a kid video games and, and uh, they can sit down and watch cartoons all day and they, with, without having to do some basic chores is going to help them in life. But if you begin to teach them and then reward them, it's called a, what is it called? Okay. When you give your kids some money, allowance, yes. I had trouble with that word. <laughs> One of my problems in life. I taught them to work. I just didn't want to have to cut pony up the cash. <laughs> Until I was shamed into it by a pastor. Amen. But. But when you reward your kids and teach them to work, there's something about that. We have to quit looking for an easy way to circumvent having to work for an income because hard work is God's way. Doesn't matter what field, what type of education, if you want a good income, you're gonna have to roll up your sleeves and go to work, amen. Proverbs 13, 11, wealth from get-rich schemes quickly disappears. But wealth from hard work grows over time. Now, today, our society is being destroyed by devaluing the very principles of God in so many areas. So one of them is rather than working, some have begun to look to the government. Well, we'll give you free income. Listen, let me just tell you something. There's nothing free. Somebody has to pay for it. And so there's a realization. Some people are looking to the government to meet their needs. It's a bad plan for you, I can promise you. Others have become professional students with the government's help. Let me tell you, it's a bad plan for you. It's a, tra it's, it's a trap because there is no such thing as free. Someone's going to pay for it. And so today, many are convinced that it's leisure and it's recreation and it's travel. These are the things that give meaning to life. But the Bible says the opposite is true. It's hard work and production that causes fulfillment in our life. It's Ecclesiastes 5 and verse 18. Here is what I've seen. It's good and it's fitting for one to eat and drink and enjoy the good of all his labor in which he toils under the sun all the days of his life, which God gives him. Why? Well, because it's his heritage. And in the second chapter, he says, so I decided there's nothing better than to enjoy food and drink and to find satisfaction in work. Then I realized that these pleasures are from the hand of God. It was God all along that gave us hard work so we could find fulfillment. 
Now, if you don't believe me, just, just watch what happens here. School is out or, or going to be soon. So home kids come. Sleep in till noon. Then they want to go to the amusement park with the water slides. They want to run around and see every movie or concert that's available. And so they've got no responsibilities. They've got no pressure on their life. They can do whatever they want to do. And you look at them and you say, what's wrong? And they go, I'm bored. <laughs> so why are they bored? Because concerts will not bring satisfaction into your life unless you earn the money to go and enjoy it on your free time. Begin to understand that travel's not the answer. That's not gonna bring satisfaction in your life. It's hard work. And then you have the ability with money that you've earned to go out and enjoy travel. It's good for you. Here's the scripture. The Bible says lazy people, Proverbs 13 and four, want much, <laughs> but they get little. And but those who work hard will prosper. The word lazy means unwilling to work or expend energy. Proverbs 14, 23, work brings profit, but mere talk leads to poverty. Listen to it. Wealth, someone say it. Wealth is a what? I'm glad you're so into this, amen. <laughs> Wealth is a crown for the wise. Let me give some basic advice here on how to succeed at life. If you're going to college, have a plan with a goal. Roll up your sleeves when you get to college and work hard and study. Become proficient in the field of study which you have chosen and stay away from the parties. Don't allow the professors, the educational professionals to indoctrinate you on how to hate your country and to believe everybody's a racist and out to get you. Instead, hold to the truth that God said in his word and get the education that you went for. And if you're not going to college, get to work. Starting a career, chart a course, get the training you need because whatever you get into that's gonna give you a job, you're gonna need some training for. Don't be afraid to start at the bottom because that's the way the world is set up. And all you've gotta do, listen to it to succeed, show up on time like on time and, 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 and if you will work hard and you'll be dependable and you not grumble and gripe about work and post on social media how horrible it is if you'll quit complaining and come with a good attitude you'll end up being the boss You say, ah, oh, I don't think it's that easy. Yes, it is. It, you, you notice how many help wanted signs there are? That's because there's no good workers. There's a, all you have to be is in the top. Show up. Work hard. 
have a good attitude. Matthew 25, 23, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over little things. This is God's principle. I'll make you ruler over much. We'll be addressing that on Wednesday night. Second thing I want to look at today is income preservation. So what I'm talking about is investing for the future. Now this is a subject that is not often discussed in church uh, uh, because what it's talking about is you have to save some money. But God desires that we act with wisdom in our handling of our finances. And this requires a certain amount of planning and discipline. Could you say those two words with me? Planning, discipline, money, planning, discipline. Some actually think it's unspiritual to talk about saving money. I mean, after all, there's so many needs in the world. Let me tell you something. The poor you'll have with you always. That's a part of it. But God says a lot in the Bible about the benefits of savings. In Genesis chapter 41, we know Joseph sees a vision from God and that there's going to be a famine. There's going to be hard times that comes. And he teaches them. He tells them what you need to do is set aside some money in the good years so that in the lean years there's going to be ability to pay it. You have to save some in the good times. Proverbs says, consider the ant. And says, look at it. The ant goes out. Nobody's telling them what to do, but they go out and they gather the food that they're going to need in the winter because it's summer and it's there. And they save some instead of eating it all. And so there's a well-known parable that Jesus teaches dealing with uh, this uh, idea of investing because he talked about these servants and the wise servants he's given. God gives us power to obtain wealth. He gives them their income. And he says, take care of this. And the wise went out and invested it. And when the master came back, he not only had what was given him, but he had doubled it with investing, and he said to them, good, faithful, wise, good move. And then there's the one who took the money. What did he do? He buried it. And Jesus was, says he was incensed. And he said to them, why didn't you at least put it into the bank? If you didn't want to work, at least put it into the bank so that there could be a little bit of interest that comes back on us. And so God tells us that he gives us the power to obtain wealth. But then he entrusts us with income, not just to spend, but also to invest and grow. We have to partner together with him if we're going to fulfill the promises that he's given us. He gives us the wealth, then we have to cultivate it, tend it, prepare it. That's our job. And so God says wisdom in handling your, God's provision in your life is essential. Proverbs 13, 16, wise people think before they act. Fools don't. And the fool even brags about their foolishness. Proverbs 21 and 5 says, good planning and hard work 
lead to prosperity, but hasty shortcuts leads to poverty. And then he says, the wise have wealth and luxury, but fools spend whatever they get. That don't pin your ears back, nothing does, huh? So if we're to say that invest, it takes discipline. We have to be wise with what we spend the limited resources that we have on. This is called a budget. How many of you love that term, budget? How many of you can spell it? <laughs> because here's the truth. We are responsible for 100% of our income. Not just the 10% that God demands. He says, you are responsible for the other 90% as well. Are you with me? It requires that we set aside some of our income today for future needs. In other words, not buying today what you don't need so that you're able to have it later in life. Proverbs 15, 27 says, greed brings grief on the whole family. And so there's a, 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 as an illustration, there is a, a, um, a study that was done by Stanford University back in the 70s, early 70s. And it's a classic in its field. It's, 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 a, it's a, a study that was done where they took children that were five, six, and seven years old. They brought them into a place um, a, a, a table where they sat down and the, one, the man that was behind the table set out in front of them a marshmallow. Now, I thought that's a poor idea. I would have put out there a Snickers bar or something, but they, they put out a marshmallow and they told the youngster, they said, look, uh, you, that's yours. You, you can eat it if you like, but if you wait until we come back, I'll give you another one. And so they were studied this group and they, they, they found out that when they came back in, the vast majority of them had already eaten the marshmallow. And so they studied these, these people for 40 years. They followed them wondering how they would fare. And the people that delayed the gratification, that, that said, I'll wait, it's, it's better to wait a little bit to spend this, this marshmallow in, in my mouth. I'd rather have two later. They prospered in every area of their life while the others struggled throughout their years. Listen to me. You have to put off buying today what you want so that you'll have money set aside to buy what you need later. And so if you think Social Security is going to get the job done, you better think again. Somebody laughed. They already figured that out. Forty percent of Americans are one paycheck away from poverty. In the most wealthy nation on planet Earth, 40% of people are one check away from poverty. And I wonder how many of them are Christians. Because we're not talking about just low income earners here. Because people struggle regardless of how much money comes in.
if they're not wise in their spending. And it plays out for generations because God meant us to save and invest of our income. So no matter whatever your income level is, you can do this. We've had programs here at church where we're handing out free food. And coming up are, of course, people that are poor and desperate need of income or, or, or help, happy to give it to. But then here comes one coming up in a brand new Escalade. And you look at them and they are genuinely in need. But you're thinking, what, a, what kind of a fool pays eight or nine or a thousand dollars a month for a car they can't afford, obviously, and so here they are, dependent upon others to help them through it because they were not wise in their spending. There's nothing wrong with the Escalade, but save some money so you can buy it later in life. Now, if you were never taught this, and you've never implemented this, you can, this can come across almost as condescending. Let me just tell you something. That is not the intent here. It's never too late. God will help you if you'll just start to apply what he teaches on his, uh, about finances. And the key is start now. I mean, now, today. Amen. Now, the budget that I have spoken about in this church from its inception is what I call the 10, 20, 70 principle. And uh, I believe it's to be a biblically sound principle. The 10, if you're wondering what the 10 is, the 10 is the tithe. It's what belongs to God. God ties together our ability to enhance earnings through our, to our putting him first in our life. So the tithe, the principle, it works in every area of your life. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. All these other things will be given to you. If you put God first in your marriage, you'll find out your marriage is blessed. If you put God first, you know, in, in uh, whatever, in whatever aspect of your life, you'll find out it, it, you're going to have a better uh, a time of it. And so the 10th is the tithe. It belongs to God. And when we honor God, God works to bless us. This is taught through scripture over and over and over again. Bonnie and I implemented this early in our conversion. Before I was saved, I went to church. If I put a fiver in the offering basket, I felt like they were wealthy. Uh, I mean, I just didn't understand it. And when I got saved and I began to read the Bible and I realized God wanted the first fruit of my income, I was appalled. I thought, my God, what is wrong with you? If you need my money, I don't know. But we began to say, it doesn't matter what anybody else says or does. If God said it, I'm going to try it in my life. And so Bonnie and I began to implement the tithe in our life. Let me just tell you something. I was surprised, literally shocked. I thought, I can't afford to do this. Just like you've all said the same thing. I can't afford to tithe. You can't afford to tithe. Only your mind keeps you from thinking it. When you put God first, you have the blessings of God that come back into your life. Can I hear those of you that know it say amen? amen. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Amen. So that's the 10. The 20 is you. I mean, what, how foolish would we be 
if we worked and we never paid ourselves. If all we did is pay Walmart and the car dealerships and Amazon and the credit card company, if all we did was work for them, what kind of foolishness would that be? So what I propose is 20% is for you. It's to be saved. It's to be set aside for your future. And I know what you're already thinking. I can't afford to do that. Well, maybe you're right. Maybe it's because of decisions you've made in your life and you have the Escalade payment, and so you can't afford to do what, pay yourself. But let me just tell you something. You can work out of that and begin to implement this because if you'll do that and you'll pay yourself, you will be happy later in your life. I can promise it. The 70%, of course, is what you're to live on. You can make the statement, oh, I can't afford to do this. I'm telling you, work until you can't afford to do this. I'm happy to help you. You might say, well, is this scriptural? I say, yes. 20% saving is scriptural. In Genesis chapter 41, we talked about Joseph, right? And, and how he was instructed to put aside uh, money, for the, uh, save money for the future. And there it says, then Pharaoh appointed supervisors over the land, let them collect one-fifth of all the crops during the seven good years, so that way there was enough to eat when the seven years of famine came. One-fifth is how much, what percentage? It's 20%. And so God's principles spoken to us, we should set aside 20% for ourselves. What a powerful concept. Don't feel like you have to spend everything that comes in, and more, with a credit card that's in your pocket. So what does one do with the money that's being saved? And the answer to that is invest it. Investing. It is a shame when I see people that have worked their entire life and they have no investments. Now understand when I say investing, I'm not talking about gambling. Somebody tells you, yeah, man, cryptocurrency is the way to go. Just, just, yeah. Don't listen to everybody that's out there with a new idea of the latest hot stock or whatever. Investing takes thought, planning. It's, there's, there's work involved in it. We invest not to get rich, but to have an income for later in life. Most people do not understand this principle and they think, well, I'm going to save money. I had a conversation with a couple right after the first service. How much is enough to save? Wrong question. You're never going to spend the money you save. That's going to be left for some inheritance. What you're going to do is spend the money from your investments that come to you in the form of dividends and income or sale, whatever, however you'd seek to invest, and you're going to live, supplement Social Security or uh, whatever retirement plans you have, that's the way you're going to do that. And so a person can invest in different ways. Proverbs 126 and 5, it says, Those who sow in tears shall reap in what? In joy. He who continually goes forth weeping, bearing seed for sowing, shall doubtlessly come again with what? 
rejoicing. Why? Because they're bringing with him the increase, the share, the, the sheaves that, that, that were produced from the sowing. That scripture is talking about work for income. That here's a man who works, he brings in his harvest, and he could eat his harvest, all of it, but instead he takes some of that seed and he goes out sacrificing it, investing what he's saved into the future. And what happens, he's, he's weeping, he's crying because there's sacrifice. That's what happens to us. We take out and we save a little bunny. I could have bought that new, uh, uh, you know, whatever game is out there. But if we save that money, we're going to come later rejoicing, bringing with us the increase that comes with investing. Are you with me today? Again, wisdom is required. Now, there's many different ways to invest. And I, I, let me just mention a few. There's real estate. I think everyone here, especially in Southern California, realizes that buying real estate is a good investment. That when you have it, it appreciates in value. And that's a wonderful thing if you can afford it, but you have to also understand the negatives involved that you many times have to go in debt in order to buy property. And there's nothing wrong with that, but there's also other expenses. You've got taxes to pay on it. You've got uh, insurance to pay on it. There's expenses that are involved in it. It's a good form of investment. Don't get me wrong. Not everybody can do it. Another form of investing is stocks and bonds. And again, I'm not talking about chasing a hot stock. I'm talking about over time investing on a continual basis in solid performing companies that pay a dividend. And when that dividend comes, you continue to buy other shares with it. And when you get to the end, when you're retired, you have this lump sum of money that's paying dividends. And instead of using them to buy shares, you live off those dividends. It's like having another person working for you. Now again, just a short, throw it out there. But let me just tell you something. We here at Elevate want to help you with this kind of stuff. And if, if, if I know a lot of people think, well, I don't want people involved in my affairs. That's fine. If that's the way it is, find an investment um, a professional that is a fiduciary that, that has to help have your best interests at heart and talk to them about a financial plan in your life. Because I'm telling you right now, you've got to learn. We have to learn. I mean, I read that scripture where Jesus says, the people, my followers, are less wise with their money than the people of the world. And I'm here to tell you today, we gotta change that. We gotta change that. So maybe you've not been wise with your financial affairs. Maybe you spent everything and you've actually borrowed on top of that. Let me just tell you something. That's not the end. That's just where you are today. Start today to discipline yourself. Create a budget. Start to begin to save until we can begin to invest those, uh, those finances. Proverbs 13, 22, good people. Look at this. How many want to be a good people? Good people leave an inheritance to their grandchildren. And I don't know about you, but I, I know that I've worked my entire life. I'm 74 years of age. I still enjoy working. Working gives me purpose and dignity. 
And let me just tell you something. I don't want to, at the end of my life, uh, leave this earth in poverty. And I want to be able to help my children, my grandchildren, to, to succeed and to be blessed in life. I'm not talking about doing it for them. That's never a good idea. You don't pamper your kids. You teach them to work. But give them a leg up. Give them a help so that they can prosper in life. Amen. So anyhow, let me, let me close like this. I am available. We are available to help you if you care to talk about these matters or we can point you in the direction to talk to someone else about them. Let's bow our heads before the Lord. Amen. I realize I've not spoken any type of a salvation message today, but maybe your eyes have been opened to see the importance of, of obeying God's wisdom. You can even see in, in financial areas how much God uh, cares and, and it teaches us and, and, and you can see that even in the details of our finances, how God wants us to prosper and succeed. I mean, this is scripture in Psalms 103 and 2 where the Bible says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. He forgives not only all your iniquities, but he heals your diseases. He redeems your life from destruction. He crowns you with loving kindness and mercy. He satisfies your mouth with every good thing. And you begin to realize there's a God that loves me. And today, maybe you're here in the house of God. And while I've spoken on money and resources, it's certainly not a salvation message. But can I tell you something today? If you'll give your heart to Jesus, if you'll surrender your life to him, if you'll apply his truth to your life, you will walk in the blessings of heaven in your life. And so is there one here today, all through this auditorium, maybe you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, but today inside of yourself, you're saying, you know what, I need to make a decision to serve a God that loves me in spite of the mistakes that I've made in my life, would there be one? Would you just simply raise a hand if that's you and God's speaking to you this morning to surrender your heart. He loves you so desperately, wants you to succeed so desperately. He created you to be the head, not the tail. Amen. Praise the Lord. Then let's stand to our feet all over this auditorium and spend a moment, if we could, in reflection. Because today I've shared the beginning of a series, I Need Dough. I've talked about income, talked about how we earn and how that can be increased. Talked about how we can preserve our income through saving. And, and, and maybe today you realize, I, I've not done that right. I've not disciplined myself. I've not thought about these things. I've kind of really felt like they're really not needed to be discussed or it's a private matter. Let me just tell you something. Nothing could be farther from the truth. There's wisdom in a multitude of counselors. When you come on Wednesday night, this Wednesday night, and the following Wednesday nights during this series, and you hear stories from men and women that have caught what God said, applied it to their life, and began to uh, reap the reward of that. These are people you can talk to, people that can help you because they've been where you are and they've done that and they've prospered on the other side. 
And so, Father, today, I thank you for the truth that's recorded in your word. And, Lord, how you care about every detail of our lives. And today, Father, as we've stopped to consider our need for finances and how that if we don't control them, Lord, they will seek to control us. And so, Father, we want to take charge in our lives. We want to be wiser with money than the children of this world because you've called us to be blessed. And so, Father, we'll thank you, we'll praise you and honor you in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen and amen. Maybe you'd lift your hands and worship the Lord with us. sing this out to the Lord just a couple times before we close this out. Sing this out. Nothing's too hard for you. Nothing's too hard for you. Impossible's what is something I so appreciate within this church because it comes from our pastors and our pastors have always been so wise with money and not just their money but the, the, the church's money and I, I've been able to see that over the years and see just just see the, the benefit of, of wisdom when it comes to finances and you might be here this morning and might think oh man that's impossible for me but we just sang a song that the impossible is God's specialty so if you're in this place and you're like well I don't know about this sermon series I don't know about because of where I'm at in life. Impossible is not impossible for God. You can have the same benefits in your finances, just what Pastor Carl was just talking about. How many enjoyed that this morning? We want to thank you for coming and being a part of Elevate and being a part of what God is doing here. This is a series that you want to be a part of. Let me tell you that right now. We, we love you. As you go from this place, if you're new here, make sure that you connect with us at our Connect booth. If you haven't already, we want to get to know you. We love you. Have a great week. We'll see you again very, very soon.